Hello, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Good. Hey, it's good to get up here with a, with a full room of people. Um, no kids uh, were, uh, services today, so it feels better to be here because there's more people in the room. So you all came because of me, right? No. You came for the awesome baby dedications and baptisms we already had. Uh, um, sorry, baptisms we will have at the end of the service. So, yeah, we've just uh, got one amazing guy, Cam, over there who's going to get baptized today. But there is nothing... You can, you'll be a chance to applaud him in a bit as well, don't worry. Um, if you have not been baptized and you feel through this message or through this service that you want to jump on in there as well, you can do that. There's nothing stopping you. There's no form you need to fill out. There's no class you need to take. You just need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have not been baptized before uh, and then come get dunked. Or if you can't quite uh, muster up the courage today, come talk to one of us elders. We would love to chat with you and speak with you. I love uh, preaching on a, on a week like today because today is full of hope, right? Today is full of those things. We're seeing lives changed. We're seeing the next generation of people being brought up in the church. And I love those prayers that were shared that this is the next generation. We're praying that this next, this future people who are coming along do greater things that we ourselves have, have been capable of so far. And today, as I knew that these things were going to be sort of lining up, as I was given the opportunity to get up here and, and preach to you guys, those things were on my mind. It's like, there's new things happening. There's new birth happening. And some of the scriptures might highlight some of those thoughts today. You know, we hope for that next generation, and we await their lives that are, are coming. And we're prayerfully anticipating what God fans into flame into these lives. And... You know, bringing kids into the world. Today, it's this nice and tidy thing. And you're talking to one of the parents. They said, oh, we just made it here today. But you know, that little baby is all dressed up. They've got the nice tights on. They've got the frilly socks on, ready for their baby dedication. It all looks perfect. But you know, as a parent, if you were there for the birth of that child, that things were a little diff different. Who has been present at the birth of a baby? Okay. Now, the great thing about how God designed us or how God has done stuff in us is he causes us to forget some of those things. You know, occasionally me and Camilla will be talking. I'll be like, oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, it wasn't that. And then she reminds me of certain facts and figures of the births that, we've, that she's endured. Not we've endured. I did nothing. Um, the two babies that we've, we've had. And I remember after the birth of our son, Zion, the first time, it's just, you can tell how traumatic a birthing process is just by looking around the room. Now, as a parent, you got the, they give you the new baby, they place the baby on mom, and you're there and you're just looking at the baby. But if your eyes for any moment come off the beautiful baby that has just been birthed, it is a horror show. Would you agree? I do not know how you ladies did this generations and generations ago without hospitals, without wipes, and I don't even know what goes into it, but I cannot imagine uh, even the, the writers of the Bible in the way that they talk about birth, about the imagery that they meant with what was going on and what God was doing in the world. For me, the most surprising thing after the birth was I looked at the ceiling. Even the ceiling was ruined after the birth of Zion. So young couples or people who are yet to do that, Good luck. It's not all Hollywood. But, sorry, my wife is, I'm going to get a strong talking to at the end of this. But that's okay. Whatever makes it memorable, right? 
The Bible talks, and the, the scriptures I want to bring up today are actually about these birthing pains. An event like today, like a baptism and baby, baby dedications, they give us hope for the future, hope for the next generation. But we know that at the moment, we live in a world that is just groaning. Who, who of you likes being around someone who groans? Maybe you have a colleague who's more of a groaner, more upset, maybe more of a pessimist. For those people who work with me, I'm probably that person, so I apologize. But it feels like the whole world is in these growing, groaning pains right now. What's groaning among us? Like the, 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 the pandemic, our school systems, our politics, even the supply chain. You drive past places, you try and get things. Uh, we were trying to buy another sound desk for the church, a small one, and we could not find one on the face of the earth. We could not find one. And it just shows you that the world is going through something at this time. The text that we're going to be with today, and we're just going to go through today to just highlight some things and then, then uh, herald in the baptisms that are about to take is Romans 8 from verse 18 onwards. And as I was praying for today and as I was seeking God on what he wanted to highlight today, it was all out of this scripture. So Lord God, we just open up our, our Bibles this morning, Lord God. We open up your scriptures that speak life and truth to us in all circumstances, Lord God. And we ask that you would just blow the wind of your spirit Spirit in this place and sow seeds in our hearts, Lord God, and minister to us through your truth. So in Romans 8, from verse 18, if you follow along, we're going to be tied here, and you'll see what we're talking about with what uh, the writer Paul is, where he's going. But from verse 18, it says this, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation, that's everything around us, for creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains, in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. You see... The writers of the Bible aren't perplexed by our current circumstance. The writers of the Bible aren't confused about what's going on. God isn't mis um, at a loss with what's going on here. From generation upon generation upon generation of humanity that has come and gone until this day that we stand today, the earth and ourselves have been groaning. Creation groans. We only have to look around us so far that we see, you know, the earth itself is going through pains. It doesn't seem like it the way it should be. Whether it be earthquakes or tsunamis or floods or volcanoes, we're constantly living in a world that is actually pretty hostile to us. That is actually we have to fight against the world. We have to fight sometimes against creation and all its fruit that it does bear for us. There are parts of it that are groaning, that are that aren't in perfection. 
And we ourselves grown as well. We talked, I think it was in the prayer meeting, um, that we were talk, just praying for the people who were sick amongst us. And it just saddens me so much when I see the people amongst us who have been living year after year with pain, with groaning in our lives, with things that aren't fixed. Or maybe we're going through a period of groaning in our relationships or other things. It doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be a mental thing or a spiritual thing as well. We ourselves, even though we have the adoption of Christ, groan inwardly as we wait for that adoption to be completed. All sunshines and rainbows. Hey, kids? It's okay. You see, the world... The writer here gives us reason of why this was happening. The world was subjected to futility in verse 20. And it says this, a few profound things. It says, subjected to futility, which is basically uselessness or pointlessness. The world was subjected to pointlessness because of what had happened. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. But in hope that someday that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The world around us is not as it should be. You see, church, and we all know this, or perhaps you're new, perhaps you're visiting because of these baby dedications, but the world was never supposed to look like this. The world was never supposed to be this place of strife and conflict, of groaning, of thorns and thistles, and things that would attack and destroy. You see, the world was subject to futility actually because of what happened in Genesis. If you don't know, we have a story of a man and woman who had perfect relationship before God. God had created them, the first man, the first woman. But in their decision-making processes, in their, uh, in their nature where they were, in the, living in this perfection, they made a decision to go their own way based on someone, the devil that is, turning what God had said and twisting it and making it into a lie, just slightly off-key, just slightly against. But it was enough to set creation and humanity on a separate course. In Genesis 3.16, in, 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 in response to what had happened, in response of humanity going their own way, God said this to them. He says, I will make your pains in childbearing severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit of the tree which I commanded you about, you must not eat from it. And cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants, of, and you will eat the plants of the field. By sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground from from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. I remember growing up as a as a as a child into a teen, into a young adult, into a uh, what am I now? I don't know, but. I don't, I'm scared about what comes next or what is already here. But I remember just feeling as you grow up, as you grow up as an idealistic child, as an idealistic person, that we're just going to figure it out, that there's hope for humanity, that all this other stuff. And then as you, as you learn more and you see more and you see the character of man more and more, something in you starts to say, something is not right here. Something has gone against the very nature of what I feel should be correct for the world. 
And church, I want to say to you that that feeling, or that feeling that the world is seeing right now of something is not right, something is wrong, we've got to fix something, is a feeling that God has put inside every man, woman, and child. And you know why it's there? Because it was never supposed to be like this. That yearning for perfection that we have, that yearning to be right with God, that yearning we have to be right with one another, that yearning within us for for a life without strife or death was a seed planted in us and indeed the very thing that we were created to be. But creation was subjected, again, not willingly, because man and us went our own way. Later in Genesis 3, though, and it ends, Paul ends that section of Scripture saying that actually in hope, God is doing something new. In Genesis 3.15, God tells us something, gives us a little highlight of what is coming, of what is to come. Talking about, I believe, the lineage of, of Eve and who was to come later on being Jesus. It says, he will crush the enemy's head, even though the enemy will strike his heel. I don't know if you, in your house, we've got this, we've got this door in our house. It's the door to our bathroom, and uh, it's not such a problem anymore because we, we changed where one of our kids sleeps. We put them further away from this door. But every time you open this door, it groans. It, uh, I get, like one of, one of you more mature, uh, manly men could probably fix this in about two seconds. Anyway, I'm the sort of person who just, just hears this thing growing. And anytime you open this door, it's not sitting right. It, it hits a tile on the bathroom floor, and it just... And I did it this morning when I woke up early, and you see it groans so much that it, it has the tendency of waking up everybody in the house. Every time that thing groans, or maybe you've got a car with a rattle, or that you can hear something in the suspension, those groaning, those noises that we hear constantly, or maybe it's after a hard day, you sit down and you, Ugh. every groan, every complaint is a sign of something that's not right. This door needs to be fixed. Something needs to come along. Some way better qualified man needs to come along and fix this door to fix the groaning. And today, this is a cry for help, by the way. If nobody comes after the service to help me and my wife out, bad church, no. Um, But today, the ability to us to notice what is groaning has gone up. I believe that God is actually in the process of taking some of the comforts away from his Western church. God is in the process of taking some of the things that, we're, that we were telling ourselves, actually, everything's okay, everything's not that bad. But in the last year and a half, oh man, we've started to hear the groans. Oh man, we've started to hear the creaky doors. Oh man, it has started to be revealed to us the, the, uh, the, na- the true nature of what is happening around the world. And I believe the world has begun waking up to that as well. Obviously, there's, there's many different cultures and tribes, and there's many people around the world who are already awake to what it, le- what it means to live a life of suffering and groaning. But for us in the West, we've started to wake up as well, and we've started to say, hey, our systems aren't as great as we thought they were to be. Hey, our ability to make microchips wasn't as good as we thought. It wasn't as robust. We didn't plan for the future. Now what's going on? And just a slight little disruption like COVID, not even that big in terms of what could happen one day, causes ripples throughout our society and shows that whatever humanity has built has now the ability to grow because of that. 
And indeed, everything man has built at some stage comes crashing to an end. Why? Because in verse 21, it, he tells us, it says, creation is in bondage to, cor- to corruption. That means our bodies are in bondage to corruption. What happens when we get older, church? What happens? We get sick. Things come along. Even for us, the tragedy of children getting sick, that's a true reality for us. The, the reality of the earth is that, and for us, is that we are created currently in bondage to this corruption that's come along. And in groaning, we see things fall apart. In Romans 8, where we read earlier, it says that we, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It's interesting that, and it was interesting as I was reading this, is that actually the groanings that we see all over the earth, the groanings that we see coming along, the, sh- the loud voices of telling us, hey, this is wrong, hey, that's all wrong, it's actually what happens in Romans 8 is he's telling us this is actually the first pains of a birthing that needs to take place. Rewinding the clock for those of you who have been through it, but there's that first little twinge, or maybe there's a few Braxton Hicks contractions that happen before the baby comes. Is it a good sign? Or are many of you women say, yeah, it's going to come along. Baby's going to be here anytime soon. I don't know what your emotion is, but I, I, I could imagine it's a very up and down emotional roller coaster ride as you know what you're about to go through. But the Bible says that the world is groaning, and what it's groaning for is a birthing. In John 16, speaking about some of this, uh, Jesus himself from verse 21 says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. <laughs> the hour is here. We've got, to, we've got to do this. She has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. The solution for our groaning, the solution for this pain is a rebirth. We know from Revelations Revelations 20 and 21 that we're going to see a new heaven and a new earth birthed uh, when Jesus comes back. But for ourselves, our own bodies, how are we saved? In verse 23 of Romans 8, it says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So that's talking about the believers who have already accepted Christ and who have the Holy Spirit living within them. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The redemption of our bodies. Church, the redemption of our bodies will happen. We believe it will be happen if, if, if now we die. We believe that when we see Christ, our bodies are restored. That actually there is a resurrecting of what he's come before us and done. And today we're going to display some of that in the baptism. There's imagery there of us dying to ourselves, of us being down in the pit and God raising us back to life. What we do today, what has already happened in the spiritual for this man over here is now happening in the imagery and will one day happen in the physical for him as well and for each one of us who calls um, to Christ for hope. We need adoption, we need redemption, 
And we need rebirth, not just us, but the world. We need the kingdom of God amongst us. So what is baptism? I kind of had this thought so a couple of years ago. It's like, it's pretty weird that, you know, we, we, we see baptism. John the Baptist comes across the scene, and he starts baptizing people. And that's like before Christ, before you could accept Christ as your Lord and, Jesus, Lord and Savior, John the Baptist was baptizing people. I was like, hang on, how do you do that math? How does that, how does that make sense? Well, at the time, um, actually, the, the Jews, and still to this day, Jews actually practice baptism. They call it something else, and they call it uh, getting baptized in the mikvah. And it's a purification process that was done around that time. And if someone was really impure or if someone wanted to convert to Judaism, they didn't just need a ceremonial washing. They needed a full dunking into water. They needed to go head under all of it. So the people who were around John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptist who was heralding the coming of Jesus Christ, people were familiar kind of with this imagery. But what was confusing to them is that the people that needed the baptisms were the, were the Gentiles, were the people out there who weren't right with God. Yet John the Baptist came and was baptizing Jews already. It says that John the Baptist came um, for the, to lead people to the repentance of sins, to get them ready for the coming of Christ. And when things were really bad, if you were really impure, you had done something really bad, you needed a baptism not just in a still pool of water, but you needed a baptism in something they called living water. And living water was flowing water. It was running water. You had to travel to go and get it, and you wanted water that had life in and through it that would make you pure and clean. In 1 Peter 3.21, it says, Baptism, which talking about the new baptism, baptisms which corresponds to this, now saves you. But not as a removal of dirt, like we were practicing it before Christ, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in John 3, verse 3 and 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The person asking him about this, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again and be born? I think, Je- I think Nicodemus is... Uh, trying to have some fun with Jesus. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Baptism for us today represents what Jesus has done for us on the cross. You see, we forget, the world forgets how messed up things are around us. One day, church, we're going to see Jesus face to face. And we're going to realize the holiness of the one true living God. We're going to realize what it means. We, Moses saw the, the sort of aftercurrent of God passing by. In those times, it said, if you even saw God, if you saw God, it would cause you to die instantly because he is so holy. The reality is that for us living here, we know bits and pieces that are wrong with the world. It's like, hey, you know, pandemics shouldn't happen. Hey, hunger shouldn't happen. Hey, uh, you know, earthquakes and volcanoes and all that other stuff, that shouldn't happen. But we don't even know the extent of what creation was at its conception created to be. 
There is a day coming, though, that because of what Christ has done for us on the cross, because he spilled his blood for us, that him spilling his blood for us bore the weight of our sin and death that is supposed to be for us. And so in baptism today, and it's the thing that we are hoping to do to all of those children eventually when they grow up and are able to make their own decisions to follow Christ, the baptism that we are doing today represents what Jesus has done. Jesus someday is going to fix all the groaning. He's going to someday fix everything. But how does that help us? You know, if you're going through a birth, is anybody pregnant here? No, just kidding, I won't go to it. But if you've got a birth that's coming and you're feeling those first twitches, those first things, you know there is that hope. It's like, hey, you know, honey, you know, you're doing the rubbing the shoulders. You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know if you're going to need a C-section or something else. You're like, honey, we're going to get through this. You're going to do it. You're made to do this. You're created to do this. You've got this. There's going to be a baby at the end of it. But for us, that baby that we are waiting for seems a long way off. And I love how Paul finishes this section of Scripture or moves on. In verse um, 26, he tells us this about a help for today. So from, uh, actually, I'll go back to verse 24. It says, for in this hope we were saved. Talking about that, that rebirth that is to come. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. And then verse 26, I love this as I've been studying for this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do, know what to, do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And that... I've you know, seen that scripture many times before, but as the imagery of, of the birthing and the imagery of the, the parents here and the child, children and having been seen that process myself firsthand, I'm like, wait, it's not just us who are groaning. It's not just the world that's groaning. It's not just us. It's the Spirit actually with us as well. What scripture is talking about here is the Holy Spirit that God sent to his people after Jesus left and went to heaven. Jesus sent the comforter. He sent the person with the power, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And it says the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. <laughs> I thought, that's like, your, that's like the birthing partner, right? You know, your wife is groaning, and you're like, ah, like, is that the image of what the Holy Spirit is? I don't know. There's many different thoughts out there on what that groaning is on the Holy Spirit's part. But I love Nathan a couple weeks ago shared about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fire. And when they were in the fire, there was another person in the fire with them. Well, church, today, the person in the fire with us is the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, that means the Holy Spirit is here to heal, that he is here to carry through, that is here to give life and hope for us who need it. 